0: Father, I pray tonight now as we turn to 2 Kings chapter 7, Lord, we we find a, a group of people who were uh, no doubt concerned and anxious and worried about the, the situation there in Samaria in the north of Israel. Lord, they were under siege. Father, we understand, we, we recall from last week that uh, there was... Uh, great suffering, an an absence, a lack of food, uh, inflation, far more uh, dramatically worse than even that which we are experiencing in in our land today. But Lord, you delivered a message uh, here to Elisha that uh, you were about to solve the problem, to provide for your people. Lord, some believed and some did not. Those who did not suffered consequences lord give us hearts to believe your words and to to know peace in our hearts as a result i thank you lord tonight that your word is true it's quick it's alive it's powerful it accomplishes that which you desire and so lord i pray that that be the case here tonight in our church Lord, accomplish that which you desire through the preaching, through the teaching of your words. Give us hearts, Lord, to receive them now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, 2 Kings 7, uh, are you there? 2 Kings 7. So recall, uh, as I prayed, prayed a bit bit long, sorry, uh, in the last chapter, um, Samaria, that capital city in the north, uh, had come uh, very much under siege, um, threat of siege, by the Syrians, uh, and they had essentially choked off the city, and so food had become extremely scarce. They were eating uh, whatever they could eat, things that normally wouldn't be considered food. This pushed the price of everything up. Remember, it's when, when goods are scarce, the price goes up. When they become more plentiful, the price goes down. We see... Uh, those basic economic principles in chapter 6 and chapter 7. See, here tonight, the Lord um, saw fit not to let this trial uh, go on forever, Brother Ray. He he knew that his people had needs. They needed food. Uh, He knew that they needed to be protected by the Syrians. They needed protection. Uh, They needed to know God's plan to see God at work. And, well, the Lord reveals his plan to... Uh, to some men here, and uh, the Lord uh, intervenes in the situation uh, to meet their needs. aren't you glad tonight you have a God who intervenes in difficulties and who meets our needs? aren't you glad for that tonight? and what about when we what about when he doesn't do that right away? Does that mean he's just not there brother Gary? no, it doesn't. no, it doesn't. Sometimes he allows us to suffer a bit for his good purposes as Remember, Christ suffered ultimately. He suffered his very life for the very best purpose. The Lord allows suffering, great suffering, for great purposes. But he brings that to an end. He brings that to an end. See here, please. Second uh, Kings chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elisha, prophet whom God is working through at this time, then said Elisha, Hear ye, everybody hear. The word of the Lord. God has given me a message. He's, uh, he's revealing some things through me now. And every, everybody listen up, he says. He says, thus saith the Lord. Not what I'm saying, but what God has me to deliver to you now. He says, tomorrow, uh, about this time, shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel. Not that, you know, wallet full of money, but now just a little bit of money. Uh, and two measures of barley for a shekel. Just a little bit of money. Uh, in the gate of Samaria, down in the marketplace near the gate that was at the uh, entrance to the city. What had been virtually unattainable because the scarcity had made it so very expensive that no one could afford it, the Lord says to Elisha, hey, uh, I've got a plan, and, and the result is that food, the common food that hasn't really been available, it's going to be available again, and it's going to obviously, or evidently, we might say, it's gonna be pretty plentiful because the price is going to plummet dramatically. Uh, It's gonna become uh, not only available, but very affordable again. Now, uh, when people heard that, um, there's there's a couple different ways they might respond, Brother Gary. Uh, Some might say, boy, that, that sounds great. Praise God. Uh, Brother Mike, they, they might have thought, I don't know how the Lord's going to do that. But evidently, if he's given this message to Elijah, forgive me, Elisha, I'm going to do that again. You forgive me. Uh, must be God has a plan to accomplish that. The plan wasn't yet revealed. Only the result of the plan had been revealed. Uh, and so there might be a temptation to say, well, we can't see how God's going to do that. So we're not going to believe it. That'd be one temptation, right? I hear what you're saying, Elisha, but we just can't imagine how anyone or anything would accomplish that. So I I, I can't believe that. We see here there's one man who chooses that option. Gary, another option, a better option would be to say, praise God. Here the man of God has a message from God that everything's going to turn around I can't see how God's going to do it, but evidently he is, and so we'll just choose to trust by faith that God can and will bring this prophecy to pass. That'd be a better choice, right? Marilyn, that's hard sometimes, though, right? Because their situation was desperate, and to think that in just one day, in one 24-hour period, it was going to turn around completely, that would be hard to believe, that that would be hard to believe. Uh, do we struggle sometimes to believe God's promises? Well, sometimes we do. Uh, but we have a choice to believe uh, or not. We we have a choice, and you know sometimes you have to step back and say, Lord, I'm I'm going to have a hard time believing this promise or that promise. Uh, so I'm just I'm just going to confess that to you. You already know anyway. God, I'm going to ask you to help me believe, to help me be faithful, to help me believe your promises. Uh, you know, wise people on uh, this day in verse one would have done that. Lord, help us to believe. We, we don't know how you're going to do that. We'd like to believe it. Certainly it sounds good. Lord, help us to believe this, this promise. Well, here's a man who, who didn't do that. He just chose to not believe. Verse two, then a Lord, uh, this would be uh, a captain of King Jeroboam, uh, it's interesting. The underlying word is is literally third, and so it's probably someone who would be of uh, a third uh, the third uh, rank, or perhaps perhaps this was the highest rank, as is, is the suggestion. Uh, someone who was part of King Jer- Jeroboam's. Uh, Jeho- forgive me, Jehoram. I'm going to say that wrong again tonight. Also, King Jehoram. He's the king of the north at this time. Uh, a military leader who was part of his inner circle, who would have been a very high-ranking individual, Here he's called a the Lord. Then a Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, uh, picturing his reliance upon this man, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord, if even the Lord would make windows in heaven, uh, might this thing be so? He says basically, listen, even if God himself opened up windows from heaven and shower down everything that we need. I don't know if I could believe that. Um, I don't think I could believe that. Even if God himself were to do that, he said, behold, uh, this is Elisha answering him. Elisha answered this man, this Lord, this captain, behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes. Note the last part of the verse, though. Keep this in mind. But shall not eat thereof. Uh, Brother Elisha gives uh, prophecy that this man who doubts, who chooses to doubt rather than choosing to believe, he says, you know what? You're going to see the prophecy fulfilled, but you, at, evidently, as a consequence of your disbelief, of your choice to disbelieve the Lord, uh, his word, which I brought you, there's going to be a consequence. You're, you're not going to eat, there's going to be a consequence for not choosing uh, to believe the Lord. Is that a principle that we need to take right out of our Bible right there and say, you know what, that's still true. I choose not to believe uh, the word of God. There's consequences. Someone hears the gospel, brother, Art, they choose not to believe it. There's going to be eternal consequences. Uh, If someone looks at Philippians 4 and says, hey, I see there God promises peace that passes understanding if I'll bring my anxieties to him with thanksgiving. But you know what? I choose not to believe that. I don't believe that. Uh, I can't believe that. I won't believe that. I'm not about to ask God to help me believe that. There's consequences. You're not going to find that peace that God promises. Uh, And we go on and on and on. So many consequences for refusing to believe and the implication of course is believe and act upon uh the word of god why should pronounce as a consequence for this man's uh disbelief well uh meanwhile see verse three here there's four leprous men four men that have this uh terrible leprosy Uh, they are at the place where the law required lepers to be outside uh, without the walls of the city, uh, outside the gates, uh, separated from the people in the city. Uh, there they are, they're out there, and, and they're, they're talking amongst themselves. They're sick, they're hungry, starving like everyone else, no doubt. Uh, and and the, the, the conversation here is, like, hey, what are we gonna do? Uh, if we just stay here, we're gonna die. Uh, if, if we go into the city, into Samaria, we're probably going to die because as far as they know, there's, there's no food there and there's not going to be any food because they, they, they don't seem to know or be privy to Elisha's prophecy just yet. Uh, so one of them says, well, maybe we should go to the Syrian camp, the, the, the camp of the Syrian army. Uh, they, they have food. They have provisions. They have provisions. Uh, we might die there also, but at least we know we have a chance uh, if we go there. And so uh, that's, that's what we see here in verse 3. There were four leprous men uh, at the entering in of the gate. They said one to another, why sit we here until we die? Uh, if we say, verse 4, we'll enter the city, then the famine is in the city, uh, and we shall die there. We go into the city, we're going to die of famine uh, and if we sit here, if we sit still here, if we stay here, we die also. So neither of those choices is a particularly good choice. Now, therefore, come, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. Let us give ourselves up uh, to the Syrians. Let's just go to their camp. They they most certainly have food. We'll give ourselves over to them. Maybe they'll save us alive and, and feed us, but. You know, if not, we were going to die anyway. That's, that's where they are. Let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they, if they kill us, well, we, well, we'll die. We shall die uh, anyway. We, we were going to die anyway. So, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Uh, They arrive at the Syrian camp uh, and find a surprising situation. Uh, You may be familiar with this. Verse 5, they rose up in the twilight uh, to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp, behold, what does it say? There was, what does it say? No man there. There's nobody there, Mike. Mike. Uh, they, they got to the Syrian camp, and there's no one there. They expected it would be hustling and bustling. The Syrian army is, you know, there hunkered down, getting ready to uh, lay siege to um, Samaria. Uh, they've worn it down, evidently, by cutting off any supply of food and uh, provisions. And, you know, once everybody is worn down, they're going to be an easy target. So the Samarians are camp- the Syrians are, are camped out uh, evidently, you know, waiting for, for that to all play out. But when these lepers get to the camp, there's nobody there. Uh, that's a surprise. Where did they go? Verse 6 says this, For the Lord had made the host or army of the Syrians, uh, and, and you have to love this, the Lord made them to hear a noise of chariots. Do you remember some chariots in the last chapter? Uh, chariots of fire, an angelic army uh, riding chariots of fire, fire being this this picture of God's presence, maybe his power as well. Uh, No doubt the Lord has employed this same uh, angelic army to cause the Syrians to believe that a great army was coming toward them and uh, no doubt would, would overrun them, destroy them, unless they got out of there, Mike. And so evidently they, they got out of there because uh, the Lord has caused them to think they're about to be overrun. Uh, and they heard this noise of chariots, noise of horses, even the noise of a great host, a big army. They said one to another, "Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and kings of the Egyptians to come upon us." They said, "Well, this can't possibly be uh, th- those Israelites. Uh, that-, that king who's-, who's hunkered down there, Jehoram, a- and in Samaria, they-, they must have hired some mercenaries. They must have hired the Hittites. They hired the Egyptians." Uh, somehow they were able to get word out and get money out to them and uh, that that army is, is coming after us we, we've got to get out of here well we know it's not that <laughs> they didn't know that uh, but we know it's it's the army that the Lord revealed in response to Elisha's prayer back in chapter 6 in verse 17 it's a great miracle uh, can God do a miracle like this God can do a miracle like this this is a this is a great miracle um uh, just quick thought with you for you um, back in chapter six when the Lord placed that angelic army there uh, he did reveal it to that that one man who's who was questioning right He was questioning um, God I'll say it again I say it a lot I'll say it again tonight God always acts with purpose he he no doubt sent that angelic army to this place at this time. For his purposes, increase the faith of that one man we saw last chapter. But probably his bigger purpose is that this angelic army, that the Syrians might be caused to hear this army. That'd be supernatural, uh, but probably didn't make audible noise unless the Lord caused them to hear the audible noise of this angelic army. God is working supernaturally, miraculously here to cause the Syrians to flee from their camp. And you you might know where this is going, this this might be familiar to you, but but if not, they were so concerned that they didn't didn't take time to pack up their stuff and carry it off uh, in an organized manner. They were so concerned that they were going to be imminently overrun and killed, they just got out of there and they left everything behind. Can you see where this is going? Uh, I bet you can. Look at verse 7. Wherefore, they arose and fled in the twilight, left their tents and their horses and their asses, uh, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. Uh, Verse 8. When these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink. How'd they do that? Well, these guys were so afraid they left without their food. They, they left it behind. They probably left the food they were eating on the table in their tent. Uh, the lepers went in. They did eat and drink uh, and carried that silver and gold. The Syrians left their silver and gold behind, their, their money and raiment, their clothing. They left that behind too. Uh, these lepers went in and kind of helped themselves and went and hid it, came again and entered into another tent, carried thence also. And uh, and went and hit it. They they went in and just started to take whatever they could possibly uh, take. But what are they doing initially? I mean, they're eating and drinking. But what else are they doing? They're taking it and doing what? They're hiding it. Hiding it. What's what's that imply, brother Ray? If you take something to hide it, what's that imply? trying to be sneaky and you know you hide stuff that you're kind of hoarding to yourself right Um, people back in Samaria not too far away at all they're they're still starving to death they're still starving to death and I don't think there's any indication here that these guys know Elisha's prophecy there's no indication of that necessarily at least and their initial inclination is just to hoard it uh, we've been starving, we've been going through this trial, this affliction, this illness, we've been starving. Hey, just take what you can get and, and, and hoard it and, and hide it. That would be uh, a very natural uh, temptation uh, or, or tendency. But pretty quickly, uh, pretty quickly they, they get convicted. Uh, they get convicted and say, yeah, um, everybody back home, they're, they're still starving, Brother Mike. And we got all this stuff here. We, This isn't right. This isn't right. Um, who do you suppose maybe laid that on their hearts? Who, who do you suppose laid that on their hearts? Yeah, I think the Lord gets credit, uh, certainly. Lord gets credit. Uh, look at verse 9. Then they said one to another, uh, We do not well. We're not doing right here. Uh, this day is a day of good tidings. We, I mean, look, we've... God's been good to us today, uh, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now, therefore, come that we may go and tell the king's household. we got to go and tell the king that that we've got all this stuff. We've got it hidden away. We, we've got to go and uh, and tell, because this is just wrong. This is just wrong. And so they travel back to the gates of the city of Samaria, they tell the the man who's called the porter, the gatekeeper, verse 10, so they came and called unto the porter of the city, and they told them, saying, we came to the camp of the Syrians. I'm sure he would have been like, you did what? (laughs) What did you do? Why'd you do that? Behold, there was no man there. What? Where are they? Uh, Neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied in the tents as they were, uh, and he called the porters and they told it to the kings, Jehoram's house within. Uh, yeah, believe it or not, we went to the Syrian camp and believe it or not, nobody was there. And believe it or not, all their stuff was there. Uh, and we got it and uh, you need it. Uh, you can see how God is at work behind all of this. Um, Jehoram, was he, a, was he a very righteous king who was always inclined to believe and to look for the lord work no not not so much uh not so much jehoram uh wasn't uh, i don't think we'd say he's the most wicked necessarily but he's he's not inclined to see the lord at work uh he he wasn't inclined even to pray uh when the two mothers were fighting because one had given their child to eat and the other didn't uh you know there should have been a crying out to God and um, all of that but uh, Jehoram he gets the message and he, he doesn't see anything here, Brother Ray, but a trick he says and, and you know, that's maybe a good theory, he says you know, if the Syrians just left everything uh, behind like that probably this, this is a trick that's bait in a trap They think we're going to come fleeing in there to grab up the stuff, and when we do that, they're going to show up and pounce on us, and we'll be defeated uh, right there at their camp. You know, Jehoram is, it's a reasonable thought, but uh, he would have done well to consider Elisha's prophecy, and the possibility, at least, that this is how God was going to bring that prophecy to pass, Uh, providing all that was needed, which would cause the price to plummet because there was so much available now. So a great, great plentiful supply of goods. Verse 13, one of his servants answered and said, let let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, you know, the ones that we didn't eat, uh, which are left in the city. Behold, they are as all the multitude of Israel that are left in it. We ate the rest of them uh behold i say they are even as all the multitude of the israelites that are consumed let us send some and see let's send a few spies back to that camp see what happens if, if we send a few men into that camp see what happens see if that uh trips the trap see, see what happens uh, verse 14 they took therefore two chariot horses uh probably sickly sad looking horses brother richard The king sent after the host of the Syrians saying, go and see, go and see what what the story is there. Verse 15, they went after them unto Jordan, the river, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels uh, which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. They started to come on the stuff that the Syrians uh, had had just kind of like cast off, maybe uh, you know, they left without anything, but they maybe they, they, they left with what they had in their hands and what they had on their back, but, you know, they, they recognized that, that that's even that was slowing them down, so they started to cast off whatever they had, and they left a trail uh, in their haste, and, and these spies begin to see this. Uh, verse, uh, end of verse 15, the messengers returned, told the king, Hey, it seems to be that the story of these lepers is, is true, as far as we can tell. Uh, Verse 16, and so, (laughs) and the people uh, went out. The people uh, heard this account, and they heard the confirmation, uh, evidently, of these spies. Uh, And so the people went rushing out of uh, the city of Samaria. The people went out and spoiled uh, the tents of the Syrians. They, 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 They rushed out a mass, a horde of people. Uh, and, and, and just wreck the camp. They they got whatever they could. Uh, they spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So here's the result. And tell me if the result here sounds like what Elisha had prophesied. He said the the cost of everything is going to plummet. About the only way that could happen economically if somehow, some way, uh, a large amount of goods flooded into the market, causing the price to go down. Well, sure enough, what does it say? So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel. Brother Ray, that, that the market collapsed <laughs> because there was so much available now. Uh, and sure enough, two measures of barley for a shekel. The barley market collapsed because there was so much available. You could buy two measures for a shekel. According to what? End of verse 16. What does it say? According to what? End of verse 16. The word of the Lord. That is the word that the Lord gave to Elisha. Uh, just a day earlier, God said to Elijah, hey, this is going to happen, Elisha you go and tell the people, you encourage them that I'm, I'm about to meet their needs. I'm about to end uh, this trial um, pretty much entirely. In fact, I'm gonna end it so completely that not only is there gonna be a little bit of food for everyone, there's gonna be so much that the cost just absolutely collapse. There'll be that kind of plenty, that kind of uh, of supply available for everyone. Um, can God do that? Yeah. Um, Mike, I I rather doubt that anyone in Samaria suspected that that's the way that God would fulfill the prophecy that he gave through Elisha. Uh, I doubt that anyone thought that the Syrians for some mysterious reason, would flee out of their camp and leave everything behind, the food, the gold, the silver, their clothing, their tents, everything. I doubt very much that anyone thought that that was how God was going to fulfill the prophecy. Uh, Gary, we can't always anticipate how God's going to meet a need, how he's going to deliver on a promise. Sometimes it is in the most unexpected way. But God can do that. Uh, he, he can deliver on needs. He can, he can keep his promises in the most unexpected way. I just love that. Uh, you know, he, he, he didn't do this in a way that was easily predictable. Uh, he, he did a miraculous act here that, that caused the army to flee away and leave all the goods behind. Uh, that, that was a great miracle. They heard this angelic army. All of that completely supernatural from beginning to end top to bottom it demanded uh it demanded the presence of god and the power of god fulfilling his purposes can god do that can he still do that uh gary maybe he's not sending angelic armies to scare away our enemies today but does he still act can can he and do you suppose he still acts just as supernaturally today as he did in elisha's day yeah Um, Think back for a moment to that one man, the Lord, the captain, uh, the captain of Jehoram, who said, yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) Back when Elisha first announced the prophecy, he said, I don't think so. And even if God himself opened the windows and rained down food and supply provisions, I don't think this can happen. What did Elisha say to him? What did Elisha say to him? Guys, do one of you have it? You'll see the, the fulfillment, but you're, you're not going to participate in this. You're, you're not going to benefit. It's, it's obviously a consequence of his refusal to receive God's word, his refusal to place his hope in the Lord and the words that, that God delivered consequences for refusing god's words for refusing to place one's trust in god's words you know not only did he not receive the hope a day earlier that everything will be okay you know if he'd received it he could probably could have slept that night but there were real consequences god said you're going to choose not to believe me i'm going to choose not to bless you does that sound unjust in any way there's nothing unjust about that that's completely just you choose not to believe me in my words. I'm going to choose not to bless you. There's going to be a consequence for your refusal to receive my words, to trust me, uh, to act upon my words. So we see verse 17. The king, uh, The king appointed the Lord, the captain, on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. Uh, and the people trode upon him in the gate, and he what? What what happened to him? He died. That's not a random thing. Uh, there's nothing random about that. Uh, the Lord through Elisha pronounced a consequence and sure enough, here's a consequence. Jehoram appoints him to be in charge of the gate. The next thing you see, the next breath, the horde, hungry horde of people are storming uh, through the gate. This man gets uh, run over, trod upon, he died. Uh, you can't help but think about what happened in South Korea this past week, right? 150-plus young people uh, were trampled. Uh, so you look at this here and say, boy, would somebody likely actually get killed by a, a, a horde of people storming out through a gate? Well, it just happened. It just happened last week in, in Seoul, right, in South Korea. 150-plus people uh, were killed. By the way, was that in God's control? Absolutely. This man being trod upon in verse 17 is absolutely in God's control. God has a purpose for it. Um, no doubt the Lord has a purpose for allowing that tragic situation um, in, in South Korea this week. Uh, so, yeah, sure enough, this can happen. It just happened this week, and, and many more people than one were trod upon uh, and killed king appointed the Lord, this captain on whom he leaned, to have the charge of the gate. The people trode upon him in the gate, and he died, a consequence, a judgment of the Lord, no doubt. As the man of God had said, just as Elisha had said, uh, who spake when the king came down to him. Verse 18, it came to pass as the man of God, Elisha, had spoken to the king, saying, two measures of barley for a shekel. Uh, and a measure of fine flour for a shekel shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. Just 24 hours earlier, Elijah said, this is going to happen. And sure enough, it's here. Sure enough, that one man said, no, I don't think so. Verse 19, the Lord answered the man of God and said, now behold, if the Lord should make uh, windows in heaven, uh, might such a thing be? That, That man chose not to believe. And he said, Elisha said to him, behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. Sure enough, all of this was fulfilled. Verse 20, and so it fell out unto him, for the people trode upon him in the gate, and he died. Um, refusing to receive the word of God and to believe it, to hold to it, that has consequences that had obvious consequences right here. Brother Ray Metrick, there's a principle there that we've got to take out and grab a hold of it and say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me just to receive your words and to choose uh, to believe them. And, and when I struggle to do that, Lord, if it's a promise from you like it was here, uh, but it, it just doesn't seem reasonable that you could fulfill that, uh, Lord, give me your grace to believe. How, to help me to put off mine unbelief and to put on belief as, as you enable me to do that. And sometimes you just have to confess, Lord, I'm struggling to believe. You know that. I'm struggling to believe. Help me. Help me, Lord, please. I, I confess. Uh, Brother Art, what a great prayer. And, and what, a, what a pleasure it must be for the Lord when one of his says, boy, Lord, I, I know I should believe, but I'm struggling. I want to believe your promises, but I'm struggling. Would you help me? Would you help me? Don't you think he says, yes, my child. Yes, my son. Yes, my daughter. I'll help you. Uh, you ever pray a prayer like that? God, I'm having, I'm having trouble believing. Sometimes it's understanding. You pray, Lord, help me to understand. And then it's, Lord, I'm having trouble to believe. Help me. We have the Holy Spirit. It does help us. Um, what else can we take from this passage? Uh, what else? So I began by saying Elisha made a great, pro- delivered a great promise from the Lord, right? He's he's the delivery man. He's, he's the mailman bringing God's words, God's message. We said that um, he delivered a message, a promise that was very hopeful. And there there are two options to believe, even though you couldn't see how God would fulfill it. I'm sorry. Yeah. To, <laughs> yes. To believe, even though you couldn't see how God would do it, or or not believe. One man did not believe and suffer great consequences. What about the other side of that equation? What what can you take away from that? Gary, do you have a thought? Yeah, Yeah, I mean... amen I mean, I, I can see yeah this, that happens by yeah and you you've seen god <laughs> you've seen god meet your needs in the most unexpected i've seen god meet your needs in the most unexpected way um i'll look at a passage like this and i'll look at how god's meeting needs in in your lives in the most unexpected way and say Sure enough, God makes promises, and we've been looking at many of those promises and looking at all of his attributes that encourage uh, us to believe his promises. When we choose to believe his promises, um, he blesses us. Consider, I mean, I, I, I can't see it. I've, I've alluded to this already, I guess. If, if you were among the people who received the promise through Elisha, that, hey, tomorrow, this time tomorrow, just 24 hours from now, everything's going to be fine. That would change the next 24 hours, wouldn't it? That You wouldn't have to wait 24 hours for there to be a change. I mean, the next 24 hours would be filled with hope and anticipation of seeing, I don't know how God's going to do it, but I know God, I can't wait to see how God's going to do this. Hope and anticipation in in peace they could they could lay down at that night knowing that maybe i didn't eat today but i'm going to eat tomorrow i don't know how god's going to do that but i know he is has god made promises to you has he made promises to meet your basic needs do we know do we always know how he's going to do that no we don't (laughs) no we don't sometimes it's in the most unexpected way i have seen things that blow my mind as they say brother art i just and you know i hate it when i'm surprised but you know sometimes it's just it's beyond what you ever could have thought (laughs) just like it just like it was here uh we have a god who makes great promises to his people to meet our needs Uh, he's able to do that he's willing to do that sometimes we cannot imagine how he possibly could and then he does Lord, help us to believe. Help us to believe. Bless us as we do. Lord, as we choose to believe your promises to us, help us to put off worry and anxiety and fear because it just it has no place in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. It just doesn't make any sense. I'll stop there and pray. Father, thank you, Lord, tonight for a wonderful passage uh, like this one. Lord, thank you. Father, of course we see the consequence of refusing to believe your words. We know even now there's consequences for unbelievers and believers alike for refusing to believe. Give us hearts, Lord, to believe. And when we can't, lead us to pray for your help. Lord, when we choose to believe, I pray that you just bless. Lord, and that those blessings would bring you praise, honor, and glory. Lord, I pray that our belief bring you praise, honor, and glory. Lord, I pray tonight that we'd be familiar with your promises as we read and study and compare scripture with scripture. And Lord, give us hearts to know them and to encourage one another with your promises. And Lord, to remind each other that on a day when we can't possibly fathom how you would meet a promise to us, we can choose in faith to remember a passage like 2 Kings 7 and be encouraged that you are able, willing, and able to meet your promises, sometimes in the most unexpected ways. Lord, when you do that, I pray that We would choose to see you at work miraculously, supernaturally, still on behalf of your people. Father, help us to remember to see that when you meet a promise, we should see your love in action. Your love. We should see your grace in action. don't deserve these things, and yet you've made wonderful promises, gracious promises. Lord, remind us, please, to be thankful, especially as we consider how gracious and loving, undeserved these miracles are. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Father, I love you tonight. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Brother Garcia, you come lead us in our next song, please. Let's stand together. Uh, We'll sing number 400.